We're encouraged to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We're the people here tonight who aren't afraid to feel what we feel and express what we feel. Sitting there playing the drums, watching you all cry. It's kind of hard uh, because I feel your pain. I didn't know they were going to play a clip of Wade. I miss him so bad I can't stand it. He's the closest thing to a brother I ever had. And, uh, yeah. Um, Let me start tonight just by quoting him, which he's going to get quoted a lot. Uh, we, We swapped ideas for a long time. But he he, uh, openly said life is very, very hard. But life is also very, very good. That's what we're here about tonight. We're at a a time of year where where, uh, you got the lights, you got good grief. What other time of year do you bring a tree inside the house? Think about that. You bring a tree inside the house and you put lights all over it and you light candles and you... What other time of year has all these songs dedicated just to it? Got all these songs. And we have certain foods that we fix only this time of year. And we have uh, gifts around this tree that are wrapped up in paper that doesn't look like paper any other time of year. And we travel miles and miles to see each other. And we go and interrupt people at their house and sing on their doorstep. You know, off tune. And... You know, it, it's, it's like, if you're the person in the house, you go to the door and you're like, what am I supposed to do? You know, you kind of smile and you kind of like, I like this, but I kind of wish you'd go away. I'm missing my show. You know, it's, it's so, I mean, you, there are just certain things this time of year that, that we have that you don't have any other time of year. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So how dare you be sad? There's no room for hurt this time of year it when I thought that thought it's 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 inappropriate to hurt this time of year it ought to be illegal to hurt this time of year and I thought about that thought and I thought yeah that's kind of like the first Christmas there's no room for you to be sad there was no room for them in Bethlehem they looked there was no they didn't really have inns. There was no bed and breakfast. There was no reasonable lodging for them. So nothing's changed over the years. Um, we live in a culture that says there's no room for grief. There's no room for sadness. But there is, there is room. When you look at the very first Christmas, look at the three key players. And, and Laura actually, uh, Pastor Laura actually did some research that she shared just before the service tonight about how far it was from Nazareth to Bethlehem 90 miles okay so I passed this by my wife Robbie here and and our son Jacob is going to come see us Saturday or maybe before we'll see um, he was born December 27th so I said how would this work with you because we lived in middle Tennessee he was born in Murfreesboro I said how would this work with you if I had said on, say, December 25th, because, I mean, she was great with child. <laughs> and, well, you were. <laughs> what if, how would it have passed to you if I had said to you, guess what? I've decided that Jacob is going to be born up where I came from 
around Lexington, Kentucky. So get some stuff together. We're, we're, going, to, we're going back to Wilmore, where I came from. And we're not going to take the car. We're going to take a, a moped. Yeah, we could, we'd go double on a moped. And, and uh, we have to wear helmets in Tennessee, but in Kentucky, we can take our helmets off and we'll be good to go. What Laura said was that the trip was probably a four-day trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And Mary goes away from her mom, away from her close family, to her husband's people. See, that's an issue here. She ask Robbie to come be with my people. My people are kind of weird. So <laughs> come to my people and have your baby in a strange place after a two-day trip on a moped. So you look, at, you look at Mary's first Christmas. I don't think she was singing Jingle Bells. I don't think she was. I'm sure she was profoundly moved by the child she bore. But this was not a pleasant experience. And Joseph going back to his extended family, his place of his extended family, and he's taken along this lady who is not, she, her child is not his, and they're not official, and it's, it's weird, and, and word preceded him before he got there. And you have to kind of wonder why did he have to settle on a barn? Just do the math. Could very well be that his people said, um, you're our people, but you're not our people. Go stay in the barn. So he's facing that. None of us have those kind of family issues, do we? At Christmas time. You go home and everything's peachy keen. So Joseph goes back to Bethlehem and has to settle for a barn. And Jesus undergoes, and therapists are telling us more and more, the huge trauma that goes with being born, just birth trauma to a baby. They can't consciously remember it, but it sticks with them, the birth trauma. Um, and then he barely got here, and there's a, a bounty on his head. He, he's just barely here, and there's a, and, and he may, you know, an infant, there's no way they would have understood that, but he would have picked up the body language from mom and dad. We got to get out of here. We, you know, our baby's in danger. We got to get out of here. Uh, ducking and dodging behind bushes and, you know, trying to make their way to a foreign country. So the first Christmas had angels, sure. It had uh, rejoicing, it had, uh, we need to sing carols about it. Sure we do. But we also need to realize the first Christmas was very, very good, but it was also very, very hard. It was. And so for us to say there's no room for sorrow and grief or hardship at Christmas is, is just simply huh, not biblical, if you want to put it that way. It just, it doesn't fit with the original story. So I'm not going to ask you to say out loud, but you can if you want. I, I didn't even introduce myself. I'm Wendell. I'm the Pathway pastor. We, Pathway meets here every Sunday night at 6. And, and uh, we just call out. We just People interrupt me constantly, and it's fine. So if you want to, you can. I don't care. If I leave something out and, and you think it needs to be here, you just call it out. Okay? Seriously. Isn't that legal, Jeremy? Absolutely legal. Um, on <laughs> yeah, it does happen on Sunday morning every now and then. Yeah, every now and then. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've got to thinking, okay, what makes Christmas hard? 
And so I've, I've thought about what makes it hard for us, for, for Robbie and I. In, in years past, my family didn't accept her. Um, I was married before uh, to Carol, and Carol passed away of cancer at, at, at the age of 30. And, and leaving me with Bethany, our little three-year-old daughter. Um, Melinda knew Carol. Robbie knew Carol. There's nobody else in the room who knew her. Um, wonderful person. She and Robbie, close friends. Uh, so I married Robbie, and for some reason, I don't know if my family was getting over Carol, or, or I don't know what the reason was, but they didn't accept Robbie. And they also didn't accept our son, Jacob. So going home for Christmas was really hard. Very, very hard. There was a discrepancy in the gifts that the grandkids got. When you go out on Christmas afternoon and your little boy is sitting in the swing set crying because his cousin's got all this stuff and he, this is what he got. So you got issues like that. You, you go home to a family where there's a bossy britches who runs the show and you just have to get in line or you they're passive aggressive or they're um, manipulative or all they do is whine or they got to be the center of attention or it has to be their way or no way or there's just drama 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 you know we we understand what that's or if there's some sort of discrepancy not fairness I guess you could say that's one issue at Christmas that's one thing that makes Christmas hard um, it's hard if you've got somebody wounded in your family, somebody who's addicted, somebody who's uh, depressed, somebody who's chronically isolated, doesn't want to come be part, um, somebody who's angry, for some reason they have a grudge against the family. If you have a, an adult child like that, or that can be so tough, so tough at Christmas. Uh, you may have to go home to an extended family where you have a history where you have somebody who, an uncle who touched you inappropriately when you were younger, or somebody who bullied you, or some you know, you got a history, and so every time you go home, that history comes up in your face, and you and the memories come back to you. Um, it could be an empty chair at the table. You know, you could have lost some loved ones, and you go to your family gathering, and there's that place where they always sat and they're, they're not there this year. It's your first year to experience that. Um, that's tough. That's tough, tough, tough. Um, I don't know your story. I just know ours. But Robbie, just a year ago, lost her twin brother at Christmas time. Hard to face Christmas without Bobby. He was a good guy. Real good guy. So what other, what, what, you can speak, go ahead. What, what else makes Christmas hard? Somebody yell it out. Having expectations that just simply. Unmet, yeah, simply just not unmet expectations. Yeah. Unrealistic. Yeah. We talked some about this on, on Pathway Sunday night, that isn't it interesting that None of you here in this room could tell me what happened the last 10 years, June the 2nd. Every June the 2nd, tell me something special that's happened every June 2nd or every October the 3rd or whatever. But December 25th, you can remember 
And you, you have expectations about that that you don't have for June the 2nd or October the 3rd. You have expectations, and those oftentimes just aren't met. And you know what? You said unrealistic, but some of them are realistic. They ought to happen. You expect certain things, and they simply don't happen. What else makes Christmas hurt? Yeah, yeah, and we all have stories. It may not be violent, it may be something else. Somebody who locked themselves in a room, just pouted, sat in a corner, pouting the whole time, trying to get attention. Whatever, it just there's you know all our stories are so have such variety to them, but they're each of them are painful, hurtful, and they're hard to to deal with. And when Christmas comes around, you start thinking about these things. They come back up in your face. And you think about, about them. The, the good word, I don't have anything much more to say other than this. Um, the good word tonight is that, and Wayne said it in the little clip that, that we played, that Jeremy had played, that we're no longer wandering around in a wilderness hunting for the promised land. And we're not even any longer in the promised land begging for a king or afraid of the Philistines or whatever. We live in a day and time now where we have, the, we have God himself who walked among us and then left his, promised his spirit to come and dwell in us. And so God doesn't live in a pillar of smoke or a pillar of fire anymore. God doesn't show up with a fire, fiery finger on a tablet of stone. Or, or show up through his prophets hollering on the street corner, whatever they hollered, you know. Hosea and his story of a, a jilted lover showing up with, not literally, but showing up with a box of chocolates trying to woo us. We don't have, we have God with us, Emmanuel. We have God with us who's, who, when Jesus said, and it gets better than this, I will send my spirit and my spirit will, be, will come alongside you and be your partner in life. So when we laugh, God laughs. And when we cry, God cries. And when we hurt, God hurts. We're not left alone to try to figure this out or cry and moan and try to get his attention. God is in us. So whatever has happened to you, whatever you're going through right now, God is experiencing it with you because he's inside of you and he feels every emotion as strongly as you feel it and he responds to that emotion as strongly as you respond to it this is our God this is how close our God wants to be that was what began with the immaculate conception where the Holy Spirit came upon Mary this is how intimate I want to become with humanity that was just a 
you know, that was just a little hint at what was to come. And Jesus told his disciples, he said, in the last of the Gospel of John, he said, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, is with you, but he will be in you. And so they went and waited in the room, and boom, it happened. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and he's here tonight, and he's in each heart. And so we do not have to go through this alone. But there's more to it than that. We have the divine who comes in his spirit. But, but do you remember how that spirit was passed from person to person in the New Testament? Do you remember how that happened? They laid hand on each other. There was human contact. It wasn't magic. It wasn't a formula. But God was saying, if this is going to happen... It's not going to be just between me and you. It's going to be, to be between me and all of us. We're in community and we pass the grace along. We pass the healing along. We pass the hope along. And it happens through human touch. And this church right here has a really good shepherd. Shepherds anointed their sheep with oil to bring healing and to bring soothing and to bring help to the sheep. So Pastor Laura is going to come here in just a minute. She has some oil. And we're going to sing some songs. And, and you're invited to come up. And have the human touch from your shepherd. Have the human touch. To where the Holy Spirit in you. And the Holy Spirit in her. Interact. And you can feel the hope. And you can feel the healing. And you know there's a reason to keep going. And you know that even in the hurt, even in the hardship, God is with us in a profound way, not just kind of, but in a profound, deep, life-changing way, God is with us.